0: All right, Dave. I got, got a question for you. Uh, are, 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 you, are, are you are you okay? I'm gonna get to ask you. Ready? I'm
1: I'm off the cuff today. I'm yeah. ready.
0: Look at this guy. This guy's this guy's something. Uh, you know, I said I had a question for you, <laughs> I and <mean>, then I completely <laughs> forgot it. Um, no, I did. Oh, never mind. Uh, is Jason Tatum's performance in the All Star game the best one you've ever seen?
1: I think it's definitely one of them. I still remember the the Curry fifty point game, like yeah. three or four years ago. That's that's got to be I think up there that too. Was, was I think that was the most impressive because he was just shooting from like just inside half court yeah. all the time, and he's just banging them all. Around. And like,
0: I don't remember the AD game being that memorable. Like, he yeah, like set the record, but like, I don't remember like any of the shots.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I never remembered. Like, when I, when I heard 52 was the record, before I looked it up, I thought it was Steph Curry from that year. They had all the threes that I was talking
0: I about. I did know it was Anthony Davis, but I forgot that Steph Curry – I forgot Steph got that close or, you know, was within shouting distance, just, like, crossing half court and jacking up threes, which is what Damian Lillard was pretty much doing. Um,
1: I, I, I will say, though, like, that year where it was Lillard and Curry back and forth. I believe that was also the year where they instituted the Elam ending. Right. And, like, the first year they did it, it was awesome because the last quarter, like, you had the best players in the world actually trying and playing defense. Right. It was actually an all-star game. It was sure. actually fun. Like, yeah. I don't know what happened. Like, this year, Team uh, team Giannis kind of just ran away with it, and then Team LeBron kind of, like, didn't give a shit in the fourth quarter, which is a little disappointing, but... Yeah.
0: These things happen. What can I tell you? Um. But, Dave, we're, Uh. we're not here to talk about jason tatum even though we've talked about jason tatum a lot on this podcast uh we're here to talk about the 2023 marvel cinematic universe installment uh ant-man and the wasp quantumania which was released this past weekend uh and it has the biggest critic to audience differential i think of any mcu movie it is 48 on rotten tomatoes which means it's rotten And it is 84% from the audience, which is the direct inverse of those numbers. Um, The audience seems to enjoy it. The critic consensus, Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania mostly lacks the spark of fun that elevated earlier adventures, but Jonathan Majors Kang is a thrilling villain poised to alter the course of the MCU. Uh, Two hours and three minutes long, not counting the post credit scenes, which keep you there a little bit longer. Uh, obviously starring Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Jonathan Majors, uh, Bill Murray is the fourth Bill the One here, which is kind of funny because he's in the movie for like five minutes, uh, Catherine Newton, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Michael Douglas, um, so a uh, very brief appearance from uh, our guy Randall Park, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Dave, we'll start off, uh, you know, with a general overview, what did you think of A man of the Lost Quantumania?
1: Um, I, I think the, I think what we've seen really in like the last few years is Marvel fans are getting a little too picky about what they like and don't like. So, so to speak, you're starting to see it like they'll bomb ratings if it's kind of like a a hero that they don't necessarily believe is cast correctly, or if the movie isn't exactly what they wanted it to be. They just bomb the ratings and they bomb the the imdb pages and i don't know like when you look at ant-man the first two movies were, were good but no one's gonna say that they were amazing and that's really not what they're for like this movie was mainly to advance the story of king which is what it did like it accomplished what it was set out to do yeah like was paul read the story Honestly, not really. He's the superhero, but he's not really the story. The Wasp isn't. Michael Douglas isn't. Michelle Pfeiffer isn't. The two minutes Bill Murray was in it, he's not the star. Like, (laughs) the whole idea was how can we introduce this main villain? Like, how can we make him be alive more than he was for the five minutes in Loki? Like, that was the important part of it all. And you started to see, like, with the post credit scene with all the different kings. You started to see his suit, how powerful he was, how the different forms and like that the, the overall acting skill of like all the different personalities he has. Oh. You started to see it like with Loki, he was kind of like a goofball and he was kind of like a like a little bit of a clown. And this one, he was like all business, really yeah. serious, intimidating.
0: I smart. mean, and he even you know alludes to that in Loki when he's like, you know, you, you think I'm you think I'm bad, you should meet my variants. <laughs> like, yeah. teasing how, like, you know, he's he is the best of them. Like, he's keeping them in line. And by killing him, you're gonna set these people loose, and that's exactly what happens, obviously. But, um... I, I don't... I think the consensus, whether you liked the movie or not, the consensus is that Jonathan Majors was the best part of it. And I think everybody agrees on that. He was phenomenal. I mean, they nailed the casting for it. And... With all the bad, I I would say bad press. They really, it's not really been. I mean, the VFX stuff they've gotten bad press for, but the the <clears throat> Marvel stock falling, I guess, is the way to put it. Um, they've been getting dinged for a lot. You know, Eternals wasn't great. Love and Thunder was a big, big disappointment. Maybe the biggest disappointment in the history of the MCU. Um, Multiverse of Madness was like okay. It was built. You know, it was supposed to be so much better than it was. You know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of sucked. Um, so they, they've had a lot of hit-or-miss type stuff. Like, Black Widow was okay, good. Um, but you got to give credit where it's due. And they absolutely nailed the casting of Jonathan Majors. You know, he's going to be a huge part of this going forward, obviously. And the fact that he can play all those different variants so well with kind of their reach, like you said, a unique personality, it's, it's, it's masterful what he's able to do. And... <clears throat> You know, this is a, a stage setter for what's to come. And, you know, yeah, was Paul Rudd the, you know, was he amazing? No, he was Paul Rudd. He was fine. And he's not really bad in anything. Um, the Wasp had like five lines in the movie. Um, Didn't really say a whole lot or really do a whole lot until the end. I thought Katherine Newton was underrated. She was pretty good. She was funny. I thought she did a really good job um, as Cassie. But, you know, overall it was... Kind of a boilerplate Marvel movie, you know? Except for the fact that it had an above-average villain. You know, it was beautiful VFX, pretty standard story, and you get to the point you need to get by the end of it. Um, And we'll go into a little bit, you know, what we've, you know, ranking the movies since Endgame. And it's, you know, a pretty clear line of demarcation from, like, the great stuff to the okay stuff to then the really not okay stuff. Um... But I would say at the end of the day, I enjoyed it. It was solid. I did. I would maybe watch it again. Maybe, probably not soon, but maybe. Um, but yeah, I I would say it's it it was a solid time. It wasn't. You know, I didn't leave thinking, well, I should have just wait for that to go on Disney Plus. But I also didn't leave like thinking, wow, that was what I expected it to be. Because let's be real. I mean. Love and Thunder, Multiverse of Madness, this. Like, we saw the trailers and we were like, oh, these are going to be great. Like, these are going to be really classics. And all three of them were between solid and disappointing. So, you could say Marvel may have lost their fastball a little bit. I mean, they have some big properties coming up that A, they're closing out, or B, they're just going to start up. Like Guardians, you know, X Men, Fantastic Four, so they have a lot still in the tank. But. They kind of have to get back to what made them great. And hopefully it's building to that point. Um, Because remember, Phase 1 wasn't really that great. I mean, there was a lot of world building in Phase 1 with, you know, the first Avenger, Iron Man. I mean, Iron Man's good. But Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Thor, like, Incredible Hulk. (laughs) Like, a lot of world building going on. So they're kind of starting from scratch. I mean, they have some characters they're bringing back, but they're quite literally rebuilding the world after what happened. Uh, in the blip and then after the return of everybody from the blip. Um, so, yeah, I guess we can kind of go into more of what we liked and what we didn't like. I guess we'll start with what we didn't like. What really stood out to you, Dave, in terms of, yeah, that face is not great. <laughs> what stood out to you in terms of things that didn't really work?
1: Um, The ending felt like a little bit rushed and really didn't feel super satisfying um like the whole movie we saw just how powerful Kang was and all of a sudden at the very end Michael Douglas comes in with a bunch of ants and the ending's over the movie's over basically like it just to me it just doesn't really that's not really very satisfying at all Mm. and uh I just thought overall you know going into it that Ant-Man is going to try to land more jokes than you than uh, most MCU movies just because who Paul Rudd is. And that's kind of like the direction that they've taken the character. But it just felt to me like some of these jokes were just so forced and just really uncomfortable. Like not uncomfortable in a bad way, just uncomfortable to listen to. Mm-hmm. Like when they were talking about like don't be a dick, that went on for like three or four minutes. Yeah. And it was just like that should have been like a 20 second bit. Yeah. No, you're and right. like, they just like kept saying it. And it's just like, you're destroying kind of like any momentum you have in movies when you start to try to just like pound jokes down the, the audience's throat. And I just like, there's, there's a lot of good stuff in this movie, but there are, there is some stuff like that's a little questionable. And the one thing I'm kind of curious about is we've kind of seen them, I think, this is the first movie where they're going to try to start to push back to, all right. We've gone a little bit away with the two and a half hours, three hour movies. We need to be back more at the two hour mark.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it's like it's you sort of wonder if this is the first movie like that, or if this was just what the script was for the most part, and they left it as is. I think the first one but,
0: was I think Love and Thunder was the first one they're trying to do that with, but I, I think they made that too short, honestly.
1: Yeah, I I think they you you like. You, you have to know when you can cut stuff out when you can't because you can't just rip out guts of the movie yeah. it has to be like basically like shaving around the edges like it's like when you get like a, a quick like a haircut like not an actual like full haircut where it's like they go in depth on it and it's like if you just like trim a little bit on the sides and like shorten the sideburns that's like what you need to do in a movie you don't want to you don't want to be like all right i'm just gonna buzz the whole thing like right. It's, you just need to be careful. And I I don't know if they did that with this and with Love and Thunder. I don't no, I don't know if they did or didn't, but I'd be curious to know.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, they definitely need to get away from I mean, you know, Wakanda Forever was different. That kind of thing needed to be as long as it was, but you know, you don't need you know, multiverse of madness doesn't need to be three hours. Thor Love and Thunder doesn't need to be three hours. It could be like if it was two fifteen or two twenty, like I'd be better with that. But it just felt too short. Um this felt more of an appropriate length. Maybe if you gave me, like, five more minutes on the Ant shit, like, maybe I could have gotten behind it more. Um, but I agree. I think, you know, the script was pretty lacking, which is a little troubling because I believe the same writer is doing the Kang Dynasty. So I hope it gets punched up a little bit more um, between now and whatever. That's 2025, I think, is when that's supposed to come out. Yeah. Um, so that's a little little, little concerning. Uh, like you said, the jokes didn't land sometimes. You know, there were some good bits, which we'll get into. Um, also, I mean, it's called Ant-Man and the Wasp, and the Wasp was, like, barely in the movie. Like, barely in the movie. Didn't really speak. I mean, you could argue Janet had more lines than Hope did. Like, I mean, she did. She definitely did. She was a more central character than... Which I guess you could argue is still the Wasp. She is the original Wasp. So, um... And I thought, honestly, I thought she might have been the second best character in the movie. Janet. She was really good. I mean, it's Michelle Pfeiffer, and she's really good, so I'm not surprised. But she was, honestly, probably the best character in the movie outside of Kang. And that's pretty hard to do when you're in a Paul Rudd movie, because he's usually pretty solid.
1: Did you notice, <laughs> this might have been, like, just me, but did you notice that, I don't know if she hurt herself, or if she's just, like, a little bit older now, but she was kind of limping in parts?
0: Yeah. I think she probably And then she immediately
1: herself. goes from limping to like swinging her legs around. Like, are we supposed to believe this? like?
0: Maybe she's just maybe she's trying to you know give give the old one too the roll dope. It's
1: it's just like I I don't know I I just wish like they filmed it from like a different angle or something. It just it looked kind of weird and wonky to be like I'm gonna limp around a little bit and all of a sudden like do these like karate like like jiu jitsu yeah. moves like.
0: And like, I don't want to sound, oh, okay. I don't want to sound like I'm disappointed, but another issue I had is I felt like we've had so many Marvel movies now where we think like, ex- you know, since Endgame, like this character is going to die. Like, no, like there, like there has to be some big emotional stake to it. And like, it just hasn't happened. Like everybody thought Ant-Man was going to die in this movie. And honestly, it was probably may have been the right call. Cause then you have you know some inspiration for Cassie like you know she wasn't messing around maybe Scott wouldn't have died, um. But I I don't want to say it was like a cop out, but it I don't know, I feel like they could have done they could have done it a little better, um. And I, I yeah you know, that, those are really my main gripes you know it, it didn't you know the it was not. The, the script lacked the jokes didn't land a lot. Some bits ran on too long. One of the main characters was barely in the movie, quite honestly. Um, and this might be a hot take also, but the Bill Murray character really didn't even need to exist. Like, didn't even need to be there.
1: That that ten minutes just could have been trip, complete scrapped out of the movie. You could have put that towards the ending.
0: Complete and utter waste. Yeah, complete and utter waste. I mean, you needed him you- because I, I guess he turned them over to Kang. Like, he betrayed them. But, like, you didn't need Bill Murray for that role. Like, it was distracting.
1: It was, <clears throat> it was really strange to me that like they played that up as like oh we got Bill Murray like he was in the first trailer.
0: Yeah, like it's not a surprise. They had
1: like, they had, like four people in the trailer. Yeah, and like that had more than like a quick, quick like second to look at, and Bill Murray yeah. was one of the people, and it's like there literally was no point to him being in that movie at all.
0: No, it really, wasn't.
1: It didn't. It didn't establish anything.
0: No, and he like was killed like almost immediately after he got on the screen. Yeah. Um, so not, we've we've done a lot of you know nitpicking and saying, you know, nay saying, um, what do we like about the movie? So <laughs> I think I think you and I agree. So Kang, obviously, we've gone on you know at length about Jonathan Majors. He was fantastic. A plus. A plus, for sure. Nailed the casting, no doubt about it. You needed somebody imposing, but also with a lot of you know, could bring some gravitas to the movie, and he did both of those things. He's incredible. <laughs> I love M.O.D.O.K., dude. I love M.O.D.O.K. <laughs> <laughs> he was awesome. I mean, so you've got a character who really should be unadaptable. Like, just looking at him in the comics and even in the video game, which I played a little bit of, he's the main villain. Like, you should not be able to make that work in a movie. Like, at least a live-action movie, let's put it that way. And did it look ridiculous? Yes, of course it did. But that's kind of the whole point of M.O.D.O.K., he looks ridiculous in pretty much every single incarnation that he has. Um, I still want to watch the Hulu show, that the animated Hulu show that with Patton Oswalt voicing him, which I'm I wanted to watch, but I haven't had a chance yet. Um, but to bring back Darren Cross, who like sucked in the first movie, I he's like one of the, like the bottom third tier MCU villains, like he stunk. Um, but in this movie, they were pretty. Mu- they must have just been like you know, in this time just like ham it up to the biggest degree. And he did. And like, other than the, the dick thing going too long, he was pretty solid throughout the movie. And I mean, like I said to you, probably my favorite line of the movie is the, is when he's, when he's dying and he says to Scott, at least I died in Avenger. And Scott's like, (laughs) Scott's like, sure. (laughs) Sure. You did (laughs) (laughs) like that. I really, I really enjoyed. Um, But I I like that they took a risk. Like, that's the thing about Marvel, that, like, I feel like one of their big issues these days is they don't really take a lot of risks. And they could have easily said, like, or, you know, Kevin Feige could have been like, you know what, that's going to look a little silly. Like, we want it to be a little more serious than that. We don't need that character. And sure enough, I mean, yeah, it looked a little silly for sure. But I think it worked. And I think, you know, bringing back Darren Cross was kind of a twist. I didn't really see it coming. Um and I thought it was really well played. And, I, and that's kind of the whole thing. It is a comic book movie after all. Like it's not supposed to be the most serious thing in the world. And I really, really enjoyed that character because I just found him so ridiculous and unnerving, but also hysterical. So he's definitely one of the things I love most. Uh, what were some other things that stood out to you that you uh, enjoyed? I I
1: thought he was a good one. Uh, yeah. I thought the movie looked awesome too. Yeah. I
0: thought it looked great. I mean, that's I thought, never been an issue. For it was, yeah. I mean,
1: I, I thought visually it was, you know, it was a really tough movie to do visually because you're relying so much on, like, almost everything. Like, in this movie, it was VFX. It, it was, like, it had to be. Like, there's just no possible way to even do, aside from, like, the scene at the dinner table. Like, that's pretty much it. There's nothing really else you can do. Um, and, you know, I, I thought the graphics looked great. I thought um some of the stuff was kind of funny like the random plane where like you have to stick your arms in this gelatin like to drive it mm. like i thought that was kind of interesting and like unique i didn't find it hilarious like i think some people like they intended it to but yeah um i mean i thought michelle pfeiffer was good i thought paul rudd was was solid i thought cassie was good um like you like you said the wasp is was, like barely in it
0: um i liked uh i liked yeah. william william jackson harper the guy who played quaz the telepath i liked him that
1: uh, was yeah i thought he was i thought he was funny i thought they yeah. could have actually put him in a little bit more but... katie o'brien
0: was good oh. she was a gentor she was the one that led the uh that kind of like rebel group um yeah so she was she was good there were some good ancillary characters um for sure and it's that's a bit, I, I, you know, overall, you know, some some pretty solid pretty solid takeaways I mean, again, it's not it's still a little bit disappointing just because I expected you know, a little bit more from it it's not super disappointing, like Thor Love and Thunder for example, which I think is a big disappointment uh, the more and more I think about it the more disappointed I was in that movie um, which, I mean, I feel like that's kind of the theme that these movies have had at least in the most recent phase for Marvel, is like excellent villains with an underwhelming story cuz like christian bale was great he was probably the, honestly the only good thing about that movie um and saved it from being like bad to your thor um scarlet witch was pretty damn good in multiverse of madness and she was great in wandavision where she was also kind of the villain uh jonathan majors we already opined about quite a bit um you know you had all of i mean no way home everybody was good so i can't even really say that um Probably the only one with a straight up bad villain so far has been Black Widow. Um, this Taskmaster was not great, um, but other than that, all the villains have been pretty solid. Um, but they need to work on the other part of that to really amp up and get back to what they were. Yeah, um, uh... I mean, yeah, I,
1: mean I mean, I I think part of the thing too is, I think you said what you said earlier about taking chances is like a big thing because I think there's somewhere between like in the middle between, all right, we want to get rid of some of these characters and make the stakes higher. But we also know like there's been a lot of turnover with like the two main favorites for everybody were captain America and iron man. Like those were the two, the two people you just most associate with this universe with the Marvel universe. And they're both gone. like they both were replaced. Iron Man has been replaced yet, so to speak, but Captain America has. Right. And I just think, like, they're somewhere between, like, all right, I don't know when we can replace these guys where it will be the most palatable for everybody to, to handle. And I think Paul Rudd is, it's, like, multifaceted where you're like, okay, he's kind of like the linchpin to that universe. We need to keep him around because the wasp isn't generating any buzz people like are indifferent about her Michael Douglas is just like you heard him being interviewed like he really does not want to come back (laughs) his his call his quote was like I'll come back if I die the next one like uh so and Michelle Pfeiffer was was good but like her character is just not going to really be around right it feels like so like this universe is kind of tied to Paul Rudd so you can't necessarily get rid of him also in the like people just like Paul Rudd he's a very likable character he doesn't really have bad roles he's at worst just a good character so like it just always feels like they're kind of unsure when to push the envelope and that's kind of leading to these unsatisfying endings and these stories that kind of either they spend too long developing and like have no payout Hmm. or they're
0: Overall flat. <laughs> Here's a fun fact. I'm reading this uh, uh, thing on IMDb. I'm reading some of the trivia from the movie. Um, the first Ant-Man movie not co-written by Paul Rudd, which I did not know. Um, uh, screenwriter Jeff Loveness, who apparently is also going to write the Kang Dynasty, uh, said that he they based the MODOK incarnation on Kevin Klein's Otto from A Fish Called Wanda, which is a movie I absolutely adore. And Frank Grimes from The Simpsons, which I don't know if you're familiar with that character, but um, I could definitely see where they were going on on those two. Um, also, uh, something I didn't realize, but actually kind of makes me angry in retrospect. Why was Luis not in this movie?
1: That is a great question. I, like, I didn't even think about that.
0: Me neither. I didn't. I mean, I guess it's not that bad if we didn't even notice him, but like, they couldn't have gotten him in for like five minutes. Like, they couldn't have gotten him in for like a couple scenes. Like. I know he'd have to go to the quantum realm, obviously, but, like, he couldn't be in, like, the opening. They brought Jimmy Wu back for a cameo. They couldn't bring in Michael Pena?
1: I feel like they could have been, like, he picked up Cassie at jail or something.
0: Right. Like, he could have been with him or, like, you know, help bail her out or something. He could have been, like, something.
1: the cool friends, like, picking yeah. up Cassie at jail or something.
0: Like, we couldn't get one, you know, Fast Louise monologue in this movie? Come on, now. I refuse to believe it. He's,
1: after it was such a main part in the second one.
0: Exactly. Um... Here's an interesting one I didn't, know. I mean, again, this is to, to uh, steal from the Rewatchables' half-assed internet research. Um, apparently, Christopher Marcus, who I think is one of the screenwriters for The Winter Soldier, wanted MODOK to appear in that movie with Peter Dinklage playing him, but Marvel rejected the idea for Robert Redford's Alexander Pierce, which I think was the right call. <laughs> I don't know if, they were, if 2014 was the right time for Marvel to try MODOK. I think this was the right time. Um,
1: it fits with the movie too, the overall like spirit of the movie. Exactly,
0: because um, it's just absolute insanity, and that works. Uh, according to Peyton Reed, Modoc almost wasn't in the film. Marvel Studios had wanted to introduce the villain in the MCU for a while. He was considered for previous projects, like we said. Um, Reed only secured the character for the film after realizing they could use him, or rather Darren Cross for explaining in-universe how Kang already knew of the Pims and Langs. Is there any spoiler stuff in here? Oh, there's a couple. Um, direct line into Phase 5. Yeah, we knew that. Um, yeah, not really anything else of, of note. Um, yeah, so I guess, Dave, what would you uh, give this movie for a score? Remember, we rank things. We haven't done this in a while, but we do things out of uh, 50 states because, you know, it's crossing state lines, you know, stuff like that. Fun, fun puns. So what would you give it, Dave? Out of, a, out of out of the 50 and we can do this then we can rank since Endgame, game and then we can uh close the show for today. So what would you give Quantumania?
1: I would say I'd give it uh I'd give it like a 41 and a half. Ooh, okay. So I give it like I mean I I thought it was solid like I I don't think it was anything bad and I don't think they did anything that blew my socks off. So, like, I think it kind of just fits in with the majority of movies they've made in, like, the last couple years, basically. I mean, aside from No Way Home, it really just kind of has been lackluster for the most part.
0: Uh, so, while I'm thinking of my grade, do you mind pulling up the list of movies since Endgame?
1: Yes, I can do that.
0: Um, So, I would go a little bit lower. I would actually, I'd probably go 39 out of 50. I think it's... You know, right in that like C plus B minus range for me. Again, fine. You know, not not really blowing me away. Uh, there's definitely more I enjoyed than more I didn't enjoy. Um, but I think the holes were definitely large enough that it knocks the grade down a little bit for me to um, to that. I'll definitely have to adjust my Thor Love and Thunder score because that's that's plummeted pretty much every week since I saw that movie. Um, so do you have the list in front of you? I think it's what seven or eight movies. It's eight
1: uh it's eight movies i can't
0: believe there's been eight movies since endgame that's crazy
1: so it's uh i'll just read them and then we Mm -hmm. can decide yeah uh black widow Mm -hmm. shang chi eternals no way home multiverse of madness love and thunder wakanda forever and quantumania all
0: right so i would say i would say no way home i feel like is both of our number one it has to be i mean
1: yeah, I mean yeah, that's pretty solidly
0: number 1. Even with all the fan service, like it's it was still a really good movie. Um, I
1: still have watched it four times. So. Still
0: it's the most rewatchable one like by far of the of the post-end game movies. Um So I would say um right. So I would say No Way Home. I would say Wakanda Forever after that. Um I would say Shang-Chi 3rd. The pause indicates the drop-off between everything after that. Um, so then was it Multiverse of Madness, Doctor uh Love and Thunder, Multi uh Quantumania, Black Widow, and Eternals, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would i probably go Doctor Strange, honestly. Man, it's like it's such a jumble after that. I would probably go Doctor Strange, Quantumania black widow love and thunder and then eternals i feel like we both have the first and last one the same and everything else is different <laughs> in between
1: yeah, yeah i would i probably would say i think i'd have shang chi second and i think i'd have Wakanda forever third yeah so i'm i'm, I'm I,
0: I i like i really want to rewatch shang chi because i loved shang chi i thought it was a great movie um
1: yeah, I've already watched
0: it. I have a story, I have a story off air for you that I can tell you about Shang-Chi. Um it's I I still enjoyed it a lot. Um and then yeah, but I think Wakanda Forever was just a more powerful story. Um but honestly, man, other than other than those 3, it's it, there is a steep steep drop off from Shang-Chi to Doctor Strange. Like a steep steep drop off. Like eternals was not great i I, a lot of people hated eternals i didn't hate it It, i wouldn't i'm not gonna rewatch it like don't get me wrong it's not gonna be on my tv again that's not that's for sure um but it it wasn't irredeemable i mean like the incredible hulk is probably the only ear that and uh, maybe the dark world iron man too like there's a few irredeemable marvel movies but eternals could be bottom five for sure um but the other four are just, I mean, ranging from unimpressive to solid, and that's where they kind of fall. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I sit on those. So I would go. Just reiterate, I go No Way Home, Wakanda Forever, Shang Chi, Doctor Strange, Quantum Mania, Black Widow, Love and Thunder, and then Eternals. So you are? What are you again? What's yours?
1: So I would go No Way Home, Shang Chi, Wakanda Forever, Quantum Mania. Uh, multiverse of madness love and thunder black widow eternals man
0: love and thunder was I, honestly like the biggest disappointment in the mcu that i've ever seen so disappointing
1: I, and, and we talked about this a little bit off air too yeah. like just because taika's movie did, like didn't land doesn't mean like he can't do another good one so like it's kind of disheartening to hear like him take it so hard and be like, Oh, well, if they don't like it, I'm not gonna do it anymore. It's like
0: Yeah. That was that was a little tough know, to hear. Yeah.
1: It it's it's art, you know, people aren't gonna like it sometimes. That's just how it works. Like that's why things are subjective, you know? It's yeah. it doesn't mean like you just give up and pack it in. And yeah. it's just it's a little it's a little strange to hear like such a successful filmmaker say that because no matter who you are, whether you're James Cameron or Spielberg or like one of these new directors, it's never like only done commercials, and they do a first movie. Like you're gonna have stuff that people don't like. Yeah. It just happens, mm-hmm. and you can't like punt just because someone's like, "Oh, this movie wasn't what I thought it would be."
0: Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, I hope I hope he changes his mind, and they can. Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, Thor's probably done anyway, but I hope Taika comes back in some capacity as a writer or something. You know, I hope he does, and I'll be. Um, finds peace with the comments that people made about <laughs> Love and Thunder. I feel like it was misdirected, too. I feel like he was projecting at, at fans when he was really angry at you know the higher-ups who were ex- excessively controlling his product, which is what why Ragnarok is one of the best movies they've ever made, because they used to let him have free reign. They were like, we don't care, just do whatever you want and make a product. And he did, and it was one of the most unique things they've ever produced. And then they just... I, I don't know what the issue was with this movie, but it was just... It, it it didn't really work that well, but we're not talking about lo- lo- the Love and Thunder episode. We didn't do for a reason.
1: <laughs> um, it's it's interesting because like you could argue that like the whole last phase changes and Ragnarok isn't a hit. You know, it's yeah, it's is like Thor does not get a fourth movie. They don't get Love and Thunder, and who knows after that what happens if that movie is a success because it completely changes thor's complexion and the path that he's down like dark world is it's very dark it's not whoa it's is not that, really
0: is that why it's called dark
1: world <laughs> i knew that was coming that movie stinks
0: um, it, it really I, does. I
1: thought it stunk i think that's a bottom three mcu movie but yeah uh i just think it's interesting because the four this is the fourth thor movie like he's one of the rare people he's the first one right that's had a fourth movie by himself like mm-hmm. I, i'm singular character that's had a fourth no. movie he's the first one iron man had three captain america had three obviously yeah captain america, well, fourth. there will a be a fourth
0: but not the same captain america
1: iteration yeah. yeah so he's the first one and obviously he'll be the last uh that'll be the last one of thor because uh, I'm guessing he'll either be replaced or something's going to happen and he'll probably be in like a couple more appearances and that'll be it. But
0: I think they're just in this awkward phase where they aren't ready for whatever reason, are not ready to even release info about Fantastic Four or the, let alone the X-Men. At least Fantastic Four, we know there's a director attached to it, um, which, oh my gosh, the guy from It's Always, Matt Shackman, the It's Always Sunny guy. Um, yeah. Which I believe he abandoned the Star Trek movie to go do it, which he better be good. Um, which, if, if he's behind it that much. Um, so at least they have a director. But, you know, you have to imagine that this summer we'll get fantastic forecasting. Like, we have to. Isn't the movie coming out next year? <laughs> like, isn't it... Is it I think 20, it's about 2024, yeah. 2020, which I can't believe is already next year. But, like, it's supposed to come out next year, which first of all, probably isn't, because everything they make is getting pushed back anyway. But, it's... You know, right now it's coming out next year, which means you'd at least expect the cast to come out. And there have been so many rumors that at this point, I just want them to name who is in the goddamn cast. Um, so I'm looking forward to that whenever it happens. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's where Marvel is right now. And uh, looking forward, I believe there's two more movies this year. It's Guardians and the Marvels, which got pushed back to the fall. Um, And I think Loki Season 2 comes out this year as well. Am I not mistaken?
1: Yeah, I think um, Guardians, I believe, is the end of May. Yeah,
0: it's in May. I know that.
1: And I believe, actually, Secret Invasion, I believe, is either May or June. Oh,
0: right. I forgot about Secret Invasion. That's right. And I think Loki comes out later this year.
1: Loki comes out, I think, at the end of the summer or early fall.
0: Yeah, which I'm looking forward to. And that
1: leads into the Marvels in Um, November.
0: Which we didn't really talk about because it's, I guess it's it's fine because it's not really a part of the movie. It's if it's a post credit scene or a mid credit scene, but the mid credit scene was fine. The post credit scene was unbelievable. One of the best they've had in a while, because um, it's probably a direct scene from the second season of Loki. Um, but I gotta say, I did not expect to see Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson in a post credit scene. I did not expect that, so it took me by surprise, and I was very excited to see that. Um, and I can't wait to see where that second season goes, because Loki may be the most pleasant surprise since Endgame. Like a genuine pleasure of a show.
1: I mean, going into it, I had very low expectations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't really very excited about it at all. Yeah. And um it's it's kind of funny because I think before any of these TV shows released, I think both I don't know about you, but I was not really super th- like excited for WandaVision or Loki. Like I was like, oh, these will be okay. Well, remember and those
0: end up being. Remember before the pandemic, it was supposed to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier that came out first, and honestly, yeah. good thing for that show that it didn't because the expectations for that were sky high, um, and that show sucks. It's the it's the worst. Uh, I don't even count what if that does not count to me. Um, it's the worst show they've made. It is, and it's unfortunate because they had two incredible leads. And Daniel Bruhl was awesome, too. And even um, even U.S. Agent was really good. And, you know, Julie Louis-Dreyfus in the friggin' show. Like, you had a lot of star power. And still, somehow, the it, it was so uneven. Um, and we didn't even do, you know, that was, you know, we didn't do a podcast about that because I think it came out, might have been during our hiatus, or we weren't really doing regular episodes, but honestly, it didn't really matter because we weren't, we we were not too into that show anyway. We watched it because, you know, as we say on this on the show, we're sheep. We watch it anyway. But I guess unless it comes to what if. But um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm. Oh, Hawkeye was really good too. I really enjoyed Hawkeye. I thought Hawkeye was good. Um, Hawkeye
1: was very good. Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah. And th- again, I think the common theme here is WandaVision, Loki, Hawkeye. Really had no expectations for any of them, and they were all really were good. And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we had really high expectations for, and it was not good at all. Um, although I do think the Captain America movie will be good, I stand by that. I think that'll be a good movie. Yeah, I
1: mean, I I think it'll be really good. Because um, that's the the one really, Harrison.
0: Because Harrison Ford's in that, right?
1: Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, Thunderball. Really important. It's really important that they that they hit on that one though, because that's the first movie without Steve Rogers. That's the first one. I mean, yeah. that's arguably the most important and well-known superhero they've ever had.
0: And they're bringing back uh, Tim Blake Nelson from the incredible Hulk, which is so crazy. <laughs> like they're bringing him back. I think he's supposed to be the villain in the movie. Uh, Brainiac about, or something like that. Not Brainiac. That's what DC about uh,
1: Prediction wise, this is years ahead, obviously, but for King dynasty, how big do they go? like because I think with the multiverse, like you literally could have infinite number of old characters from other movies i don't
0: I don't know I, I don't want them to go too big like I oh, don't I don't want them to bring back Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans like I, I know I'm sorry. I don't want them to bring back Chris Evans, but I just think the way they closed the loop on them was so good that i don't I don't need to see them again. um What if they bring
1: back Thanos?
0: That would be awesome. that would be cool. Because I, I never felt like his death was permanent anyway. Um, now, if they brought back Thanos to, like, join them in the fight against Kang, that would be something, too. That would be wild if they did that. Uh, now I'm just, like, getting myself excited if they ever did that. Um, could, could, could you imagine, like, a threat so big that they're like, we need you to defeat him? Like we need your help.
1: We need to, we need to. We'll fight you later, but we need we need you to help us now.
0: Which I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, that's 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 a, that's a common theme for a lot of stories, like Mortal Kombat's, like that. Like there's a Mortal Kombat game that's pretty much exactly like that. Um. But yeah, I mean, that would be pretty dope if they brought Thanos back. Because again, I never really thought like his death was permanent. Like, like Steve Rogers, Tony Stark, like those. I I don't want them to touch those. I want those to be done. Like, don't even bother. Uh, now an interesting one would be if they brought back Black Widow from a different dimension because that would be kind of cool. yeah because I felt like but she didn't get question, justice in her death.
1: That's true. but the only question though is like her her ties like emotionally like are to Hawkeye right Hulk and Steve Rogers and like you're arguably only gonna have at most one of those What, guys, if, the
0: what if they brought back the Edward Norton Hulk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be great.
0: That it would it would be kind of cool if they did it for the uh, the Captain America movie with uh, Tim Blake Nelson because then he could fight off, face off against them.
1: That's true. They, do you do you think that we see Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire again before King Dynasty or during King Dynasty?
0: That's that's a good question. Um uh, I I mean, obviously, I do think we see them in – I think Secret Wars is like the no-holds-barred type you see everybody and everything. I think that's where you get your first glimpse of the X-Men before they get their own movie. Um, or Maybe they get their own movie before, but I doubt it um, at this rate. You definitely see the Fantastic Four in it. Maybe some other variations of Fantastic Four. Now, I would say (laughs) – Chris (laughs)
1: Evans? I was just about to say
0: that. What what, What if they brought back the Chris Evans Human Torch? That, that would, would be, be interesting. And then you bring back that fucking the the dude with the the name that is like impronounceable, unpronounceable, unpronounceable who played Mr. Fantastic and Jessica Alba <laughs> as Sue Storm. And uh oh, that would be that would be something. Um the Doug Jones Silver hey, Surfer.
1: <laughs> do you think though like if they if they made that decision to bring the X-Men through King that King Dynasty like obviously it's an easy inclusion because you can kind of bring in anyone but you don't think that that's, like... I feel like that would take away from the movie too much.
0: I think so. I think you're right. I think what they would probably do is do, like, a post credit scene where they tease it as, like, there's this, and now, like, the X-Men exists or some something like that. Um,
1: is it, because I think the first we'll ever hear or see of X-Men or anything of that variation is Deadpool 3. We'll have Hugh Jackman.
0: Yeah. Which is... When is that supposed to come out? Is that 2025?
1: I think it's either end of 2024 or February of 2025.
0: Can't happen soon enough, quite honestly. Um, Jeez. Lots to look forward to in the MCU. Hopefully it's all great.
1: (laughs) And and I think, like, that just goes to show you, like, him being back and doing this. Also by his own free will, too. He chose to come back. Right. It just goes to show you that when someone says, like, oh, I'm definitely not coming back, like, you can never take them not even at their word because like that makes them seem, makes it seem like they're a liar, but there's, there's just like, you never know what's going to happen in the future. Like, I'm sure he had no plans to revisit that character. And then like, he's friends with Ryan Reynolds and they probably pitched him like this really fun idea. And he's like, you know what? That's probably, that's a little different than like what I was imagining if I came back. So it's like, you never can really take someone at their, whatever they, whatever they say in that moment. Like, could RDJ and Chris Evans come back in 10 years or whatever? Sure, maybe they would. I don't know. Maybe Kevin Feige wouldn't want him to come uh, back. Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, like, I, I yeah. just think plans change. They're so fluid. You just don't know. Like, realistically, if this next generation of heroes don't take and the Marvel movies, aside from like the Kang dynasty, see drop offs and you start to see, instead of a billion dollars, you start to see them in the 700s all the time. I think they do whatever it takes to get back one of those guys to kind of try to pump up the numbers again.
0: Yeah, I I can see it being you know perceived as sort of a cop out to to do that. And I I I'm not going to lie. I think I would see it as that a little bit, but you know, then then the sheep part of my brain would be like, "Oh my god, they're back." Can you believe it? Um I still don't think they're going to do it. Um
1: I, I don't either but I like I just think that that's the only scenario where it happens it's not for a story it's for no. All right these no. characters are not bringing in the audience numbers we need let's just do whatever we can to to do that let's throw 100 million at RDJ to come back and like film I don't know like an hour of three in between three movies or something like it's just it would take a special circumstance and I don't think we'll ever get there because I just think although there's the quote Marvel fatigue like there's never gonna be, they're never gonna make less than like six hundred million, and the budgets are always gonna be around two hundred to three hundred. Right. So you're always gonna be sitting at like a multi-hundred million dollar profit potentially. Like, yeah. and that's before you start doing merchandise and they're just, you know, is like these characters. Although people may not like them now or whatever, you have you're starting to branch onto like all these different like great types of people. You have like the first lgbtq heroes and you have like asian american heroes and you have indian american like it's just like you're setting you're 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 putting your footprint all over the world on these and i think like that's just as valuable as like bringing back like a prototypical kind of like old-fashioned superhero
0: that's a great point That's a great point um yeah i'm looking forward to it i mean we can have a different discussion, a different day about DC, because I feel like DC warrants its own discussion, because they have a lot coming up with James Gunn at the helm. Um, I,
1: I, I will say, I, I know you. I, you've, think it's I know you've
0: already you've already bought your opening night tickets for Shazam: Fury of the Gods. So,
1: <laughs> I I will say, like, I think they made a really smart hire with James Gunn. Yeah, because like this guy just knows how to make movies, and you know, you may not agree with potentially how he goes about his day to day and uh i certainly think going could be growing pains for him like when he's going out and he's kind of like crapping all over people like that's not really something you can do as like the front executive for a company anymore right. but like you can't like kevin feige is like in his college days probably was like oh you suck and like now if he did that like that would not be a good idea right. but um I don't know. Like, I think this is probably the most excited I've been for DC going forward. I have no idea what it'll bring, or if it will bear any fruit. But I'm more excited now than I had been recently. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll
0: be interesting to see going forward. We can have a discussion about that at a different time. But um, yeah, well, that's uh, that does it for our Quantum Mania slash Marvel discussion. You can follow us at CSL Podcast on Twitter. Catch us there. And, uh, go see Quantumania. We enjoyed it, so, uh, hopefully, uh, you will, too. (laughs) Talk talk to you soon. (laughs)